0: The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line, live on ESPN 1067.
1: You're on the line here on ESPN 1067. Albert like a sports leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday afternoon. It's a little partly cloudy and some breeze going on outside. Feels pretty good, though. And so hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday afternoon. Welcome into On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 1067. Carter, happy Tuesday, man. Uh,
2: How are you, man? Doing good, man. It's good to be uh, here in the studio. It's good to be doing the show on a... Tuesday, God it feels like it's already later in the week. Than I know, to me, I know. It feels like it feels, it feels feel like this way. week's
1: kind of crawling by, huh? Yeah, well, just a lot going on right now, and it definitely seems like it should be Wednesday or Thursday, but it's not. It's Tuesday, but that's okay. Uh, we're just we got a lot going on as um, trying to get ready for football postseason, high school football postseason, that is, and also get prepared for high school basketball season, which is a lot closer than I would like it to be, but. It is what it is. We are getting ready for that. Excited for it. uh, Just kind of Trying to get ready uh, for everything with high school sports. Of course, we have uh, big time coverage of Auburn High and Lee Scott here at Auburn Network. So uh, just trying to get ready for all of that. And so it's there's a lot going on, but it's a good time here at the station. But we've got a lot to go over today. We'd love for you to call in and be a part of the show as well. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. 334-321-1390. Uh, We're going to talk some SEC football and also some Auburn uh, stuff going on in this first hour. In hour number two, we're going to have Trey Wallace, as we do every Tuesday. He covers the SEC for OutKick. We will have him joining us on the phone at 3.30. So excited to have him on as we have every single week. We've had him for, what, a little bit over a month now or so, and uh, we really, really... Yeah, he's been great. We really enjoy having him on. But man, how about the Bears stomping the Patriots last night? I mean, I know we don't talk a ton of NFL, but not really something I was Crazy, looking right? looking to see. And the Bears absolutely stomped the Patriots last night on Monday Night Football. Uh, you've got the World Series coming up starting on Friday. Uh, NBA is now about a week in. Hockey's about a week or so in. Uh, NFL is rolling on. College football, you know, we are in going into week nine now. Or is that right? I think we're getting. week nine so Mm -hmm. uh, just it's a busy busy time for sports and of course Auburn has Arkansas this weekend at home 11 a.m. kick Uh, we'll get into some of that later on today and a little bit later on in the in the week as well but again 334-321-1390 anything on your mind that you want to talk about or you want to join in on our conversation we would love to hear from you Uh, call in be a part of the show and be on the line 334-321-1390 as we start this Tuesday edition of on the line taking a look around the sec now that it's tuesday we're out of week eight starting to look ahead at week nine of the college football season looking at the sec uh right now as a conference because it's still the best conference in college football it still has the best teams in Mm -hmm. college football and this conference still has three legitimate threats to make the college football playoff and win the national championship in Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee. And when you look at the results from this past week in week eight of college football, of course, Tennessee had UT Martin. They took care of business there. Alabama with their uh, not-so-pretty 30-6 win over Mississippi State. You had LSU uh, really just handle Ole Miss uh, comfortably. Missouri beats Vanderbilt, and South Carolina gets the win over Texas A&M and looking at the games we have coming up this week around the FCC of course Auburn coming off the bye week with Arkansas that is a big game for a 4-3 and Arkansas team and a 3-4 and Auburn team uh, Arkansas sort of underwhelming in what their expectations were coming into this year Auburn right around where a lot of people thought they were going to be. Uh, They were hoping for it to be a little bit better, but obviously we have not seen that from Auburn. You've got Florida, Georgia this week, Missouri, South Carolina. How about Kentucky, Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M? There's some big games coming up in the SEC, but – just looking at where we are right now around the Southeastern Conference to this point in the season, Carter, which teams are surprising you, good and bad? It can be a team that is higher than you thought they would be at this point, a team that's lower, maybe a team that's right where you thought they would be. Just kind of your your thoughts on where the SEC stands right now.
2: Well, I think I think you have to look at the most shocking team right now in in the SEC is Texas A&M. This is a team that people thought could compete for that for a second SEC playoff spot, like that non-division winner uh, playoff spot. And then even when you look at the fact that some people thought that they were, they were the dark horse to win the SEC West, and here we are. And sure enough, they haven't gotten it done to three and four. They're, they are free-falling, and they are in a dangerous spot where they could really end with a a season that would be a really big black eye on Jimbo Fisher. When I look around elsewhere in the conference, I don't think South Carolina is as good as 5-2. and two. I don't think they are. I think they've been extremely fortunate. Uh, they've played a bad Texas A&M team that had on their backup quarterback, well, depending on when you want to say the starter was, but Max Johnson had become the starter. Let's make no mistake about that and then Hans King threw his arm out and they had to turn to their third-string guy. They, they beat a Kentucky team without Will Levis. They're not a 5-2 and two team. They're just not. And, and now they're ranked 25th in the country. Which is dumb. This is the second year in a row that South Carolina has been extremely fortunate. They were not that good last year. They just weren't. And they figured out a way to win games. They got lucky that they they saw a backup quarterback in Auburn and a head coach that made a bunch of puzzling in-game decisions to lose that one. They, I mean, they went on a run late. They beat UNC, but Mac Brown and that that program they have not looked good at all. I mean, so you're not
1: been, a you're not a believer in Beamer ball right now. No,
2: no, I don't think they're that good, and I think that that. The rest of the schedule, they get two easy games in a row. They'll get to seven and two, but go win at the swamp, and then let's see what you do against Tennessee and Clemson. What do you do in those games? Yeah, that's I a, don't think that's a tough I don't stretch. Think, I don't think they're good enough to win any of those three games, and they'll be seven and five, which I guess theoretically is progress, but I think it's a hollow five and two at this point. They're, I mean, when you look at who their wins are, their wins are against Georgia State who is really bad, Charlotte, who's 1-7 and and just fired their coach on Sunday, and South Carolina State before beating backup quarterbacks against Kentucky and a backup quarterback in Texas A&M. They have three joke wins and two wins over backup quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, South Carolina for me, I mean, are they a top 25 team in the country? Absolutely not.
2: I mean, there's just no way you can convince me of that. Put Mississippi State on a field with them. I know Mississippi State's going through a rough patch. Mississippi State would smoke them. Would smoke them, and it would not be close. I
1: think you do have to give a little bit of credit to what South Carolina and Shane Beamer are doing because obviously this was a program where They've been down for a long long time and they start the season one and two after losing to Arkansas 44 to 30 and Georgia 48 to 7. They get uh, their their three cupcake wins Georgia State, Charlotte, South Carolina State. But even with the backup quarterbacks of Kentucky and Texas A m I think it's extremely fair and accurate to say, that even with the backup quarterbacks of Kentucky and Texas A&M those two teams and programs have a lot more guys and a lot more talent than South Carolina does right now and yet South Carolina was able to find a way and win the football game right they were they beat Kentucky 24 to 14 they beat Texas A&M 30 to 24 who 100% outmatches and outskills and out just talents South Carolina they just do and they were able to win those ball games. And so, look, if South Carolina beats Missouri and Vanderbilt like they should, they'll be sitting sitting at 7-2. and two. And then, like you talked about, at Florida, home for Tennessee, at Clemson, win one of those games. If you win one of those games, for if you're South Carolina, if you win one of those between Florida, Tennessee, Clemson... I don't think they can. I don't that, think they got the athletes. Too. But if they do, then I really think you got to give some credit to Shane Beamer that he's at least making progress over there. Look, South Carolina's a tough place to win, man. That's a tough place to coach. It's a tough
2: place to recruit, and it's a tough place to win. I, just, I truly believe that South Carolina... Shane Beamer and South Carolina have tricked everybody into thinking that they are better and on a better trajectory than they actually are. I firmly believe that. I don't think they're that good. And we're going to find out. And you know
1: what? If South Carolina is what you are thinking and what you're talking about and maybe a, a pretender instead of a truer, right? They'll probably end up losing a game to Missouri or Vanderbilt or something. A game that they're not supposed to lose that they'll end up losing, if that is the case. And you know what? I can see that happening. I really, really could. But when I look at the SEC right now, when you look at the SEC East and the SEC West, uh, Carter talked about Texas A&M, who is one and 1-3 in the conference, 3-4 and four overall. They are right there with Auburn. They are in the same exact boat with with records. Maybe not. They're getting closer to Auburn when it comes to coaching and frustration. There's no doubt about that. But you look at the standings right now, and Auburn, Texas A&M, and Arkansas are all at the bottom of the conference in the West, sitting at one and three. And so let me ask you this question. What's the biggest surprise out of those three? Which one of those would you are you the most surprised that they're the bottom in the SEC West? Is it still Texas it's, it's A&M? It's
2: still Texas A&M because we, we, we thought they might win the SEC West, and they're sitting at three and four. Arkansas had the toughest schedule in the country. Auburn had the second toughest schedule in the country. I have text messages on my phone, back to February, saying that Auburn's going to go four and eight this year, and I'm not that far off right now. Yeah, I don't feel I don't feel that differently, but I mean, there were not a lot of people expected much out of Auburn. Some people people did expect some stuff out of Arkansas, but at the same time, you got to respect the fact that their schedule is so hard. Extremely tough. They had to play Cincinnati. They, had to, they have to play, obviously, the SC West. They had to go to BYU. They get Liberty in a couple weeks. Which has become a really scary matchup. Yeah, like like they had a brutal, brutal schedule. Heck, they played Missouri State, which I don't know why on the planet they would ever schedule that game for the fact that Missouri State's a solid FCS program and it has a coach with a personal vendetta against their school that wants to beat them, and gave them a heck of a scare. Probably the best scare they've gotten in a non-conference game all year. I think one thing that that surprises me is to this point coming into
1: week nine of SEC football, the SEC West is still wide open. There are three teams that mathematically, realistically, could still win the SEC West. You can tell me it's wide open, but it's not. It's not. not. Technically, it is, though. I know Alabama's better than everybody else in the West, but LSU and Ole Miss are right there. And all it takes is for one game. All it takes is LSU to beat Alabama and they'll win the West. Alabama
2: and LSU will see each other in their next game. And let's, let's let Ole Miss go win in College Station before we say that they're really in the hunt here.
1: I know, and I know what you're saying, but when you look at it, at this point we would have expected with what we knew coming into this season we would have expected Alabama to be uh, above and all, everybody else already at this point and them to be running away with the SEC West. But when you look at the standings they're not. They're four and one in the conference. LSU's four and one in the conference. Ole Miss is three and one in the conference. They'll get that if they win this weekend Alabama LSU are off. They'll pick up that extra win if they're able to beat Texas A&M. So then, you look at the West, and you're like, okay, there's still, there's still three teams in the running. And you look at the SEC East, there's two teams in the running. It's Georgia and Tennessee. But we thought it was going to be Kentucky. I did, at least. I thought it would be Kentucky at this point, because coming into the season, I said, the game of the year in the SEC East will be Georgia at Kentucky, the second to last week of the year. And I said, that will determine who wins the SEC That's East. Well, we thought. And now Kentucky is 2-2 in the conference, 5-2 overall. Obviously, Will Levis being injured has a big part to play in that. But there's still a race over in the SEC East. And so, for the first time in what seems like quite a while, you've got multiple, multiple, multiple teams in the SEC coming into this point of the season, the last weekend of October, coming into the month of November, where there's multiple teams that are still in the running. Now, Are all of those teams legitimate contenders? No, they're not. It's still
2: Georgia, Tennessee, and Alabama. Yes, there are three contenders to win this conference. That is it. I don't. I don't care what LSU's record is. I know they're getting better. It's still year one for Brian Kelly. They are not going to beat Alabama next weekend. It's not going to. It's in. It's in Tuscaloosa, right? I I want to say it was in Death Valley but I could be totally wrong. I, I actually I think it's in Death I've Valley. looked at it a couple times and I just can't remember off the top of my head. It's it's in Death Valley. It's in Death Valley, okay? It's a night game in Death Valley. Okay. They'll they'll put up a good fight, but they are not going to beat Alabama. I don't see it. Yeah, we'll see. I think it's going to be a really good game. This is this is an LSU team that barely beat the worst Auburn team in a decade. You're right. I I I get that they went and beat Florida. Florida tried... Billy Napier tried to tell you Florida was not going to be anything special this year. They beat Ole Miss. Ole Miss is bad. They're not that good. They're an 8-4 and four team. They can run the football, but that defense is awful. They can run, and they can run for days. And it's a crying shame for Auburn fans to watch a guy who grew up 40 minutes up the road that's a true freshman at Ole Miss... Right now, dominating this conference at running back, and he begged to come to Auburn, and Brian Harson told him no. He begged. Yeah, I know. I know. And when you look, again, just kind of looking
1: at where the SEC is, you've got Georgia-Tennessee on top in the East. You've got alabama lsu Ole Miss at the top in the West. But I agree. I mean, looking at the standings, there's five or six teams that are still in this thing. But looking at it realistically... It's Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama. And and you know what? I would almost put it in that order. I think it's Georgia. Maybe. I I don't know. I don't know. Because I think you can make arguments about this, and I don't want to kind of spoil too much of what we're about to get into. But those three teams are your legitimate contenders for the Southeastern Conference right now. Not just to win their own division. Not just to win their own conference. But to win the national title. And I think those three teams, they've got some things to work on. They've got some ways to improve, but right now, as it stands, coming into week nine, it's Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama. When we come back, we're going to talk about what order those teams go in. Who's the best team in the SEC right now? That's the question of the day top three, top four in the SEC as it stands right now in your mind to win I the think, SEC. I think top
2: five would be a really interesting conversation.
1: Let's do top five then. Question of the day, top five teams in the Southeastern Conference right now 334-321-1390 We'll discuss it when we come back.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 1067 Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502
1: Question of the day here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you on ESPN 106.7. We already kind of uh, ta- previewed it a little bit, teased, if you will. Top five teams in the SEC right now coming into week nine of this college football season. We'd love to hear from you. 334 321 1390. That number again 334 321 1390. This is an interesting conversation. It's something we sort of do every week because I think it has changed a lot in the last couple of weeks. And maybe not the necessarily the teams in the top three, but maybe the order. And then the four and five conversation is really, really interesting. So. For me, kind of looking at this right now, the top teams in, college fo- in the SEC, and, you know, there's a couple of different ways to do this. I'm going to go power rankings, right? Power rankings, that is based off of what I've seen, where we are right now, what the teams look like at this point in the season. My number one, I'm going Tennessee. Tennessee looks I'm to too. be the best team in the SEC right now. Right, right now they look to be the best team in the
2: conference. I think they are the second best team in the country, second best team behind Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you, go- right now you can make that argument. Look, Ohio State played a bad game against one of the best defenses in the Big Ten and won by forty-four. And Ohio, and it's so crazy because Ohio State, for
1: the first time in a long, long time, is getting hardly any noise. Nobody's
2: talking about Ohio State. And Nobody they're, they're still not all the way healthy. When they get all the way healthy, dear God, they're going to wreck everybody. Yeah,
1: yeah. And that's what's crazy is Ohio State is not getting hardly any noise, but yet they are dominating every single game they play. Now, they are playing in a down Big Ten, but they're dominating, not just winning by a touchdown or two. They're winning by 30, 40 points. But talking about the SEC, you're saying that Tennessee, in your mind, is the second-best team in college football right now. Yes. I think you can make that argument. I I really, really do. And that's why I have Tennessee right now as the best team in the SEC. I've got Georgia at two, and I have Alabama at three. I'll give you four and five in just a second. That order is based off of, again, what I've seen so far. Tennessee obviously beat Alabama. They look better than everybody in the conference right now. Now, And, and this could change, right? Tennessee could come out and meet their match and, and lose to Georgia or something like that. But as of right now, Tennessee's playing the best ball. Georgia's number two, right? Georgia has looked pretty decent. They've looked pretty good. But they've got some things to work on. And offensively, it's where they are going to struggle. If they are going to struggle in a football game, it's going to be offensively. And I want to see what they do against Tennessee in a couple of weeks. And what they do against Florida this weekend. I think that's a big question as well. Alabama? I don't know. I'm really, really concerned about this Alabama team from a from an outside perspective. Obviously, we talk a lot about Auburn and, and we're at an Auburn Station. But when you look at Alabama from a middle ground standpoint, there's some things that are off about this Alabama team. Yeah. There's some things that are not right and not normal for a Nick Saban Alabama football team, and that is why I have them at three right now because I still think they're vulnerable. And I still think they're beatable. Mm -hmm. And you know what? There's a really good chance that that happens, in my opinion. The way they're playing right now. Now, they cleaned up the penalties a little bit uh, on Saturday against Mississippi State. But yet, they only scored six points in the entire second half. Yeah. And that, that for, uh, again, looking at it at a middle ground stance... That worries me about Alabama if I were to be having money on them or something, right? Or being picking them to make a playoff or whatever. That's why I have Alabama at number three. Then it gets a little interesting. Give me your
2: top three. Then we'll start talking four and five a little bit. All right, so I'm going Tennessee one because I've obviously laid out that case. I think that offense is too good. I think that defense is probably underrated. And then I think that their offense can still get healthier, much like Ohio State. Then I'm going Alabama. Because I have serious concerns, I have more concerns about the Georgia offense than I do the Alabama offense. And I think the defenses are close, close enough that I can give the edge to Alabama. Because of the fact that, that I firmly, we've seen these weird stretches where Georgia's offense completely disappears. Completely. And that's concerning. And that's why I, if if that offense goes into one of those funks where they just can't do anything, they can get beat by about five six teams in this conference right now, and that's not and that's much less Alabama or Tennessee. And I think Alabama's better than them, so I'm going to go Alabama two. I'm going to go Georgia three. I think Georgia's really really good, and once they if they figure it out, they're Mm -hmm. awesome. And you know what? You could, and again, I think both of
1: these are our you're able to flip Alabama and Georgia right now. I think everybody or most people would agree that Tennessee is the best team in the conference. If you don't, we'd love to hear from you. 3 3 4 13 I'm actually opposite of what Carter was saying. Obviously, I had Georgia 2 and Alabama 3. I'm more worried about Alabama's offense than I am Georgia's offense because we've seen Bryce Young in this offense go quiet. We saw it against Mississippi State. We see Bryce Young in this Alabama offense. They struggle in bigger games on the road or against tougher defenses or throwing different schemes at them and so that is why i would have georgia two, alabama three now we're, we're almost up against the break so i do want to continue to talk about this when we come back we've got a phone call that we're going to get to as well but tennessee again if, if for some reason i'm not saying you're wrong if you don't think Tennessee is the best team in the SEC right now, why? We'd love to hear from you. 3, 3, 4, 3 2, 1, 13, 90. What is your top five in the SEC as of right
2: now? It's something we're going to discuss when we come back. I also think, looking at the bottom of the conference, if you want to take the bottom in each division and rank those, that'd Ooh. be a fascinating conversation Ooh.
1: as well. A little curveball in there. Okay. I like it. I like it. We can do that. We can definitely do that. Look at the bottom of each of each division, right? Looking at what bottom three, bottom four in each there, side.
2: Yeah, all, the the three teams in each division that are one and three or worse. I like it. You'd obviously in go, those. You're, you're obviously going Vanderbilt 14th. <laughs> yes. Although I think it's it's closer with Missouri than you think. I think it is too. I think you have to go Missouri uh, 13th right now. Then I think the rest of the conversation gets really, really interesting at that
1: point. Well, we're changing up the show rotation today. We're talking about more SEC standings. We're going to get to the phone lines. All that coming up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line.
0: On the Line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Ed, you're on the line. We appreciate you holding on through the break.
3: Uh, yeah, guys, I appreciate it, and I'll try to be fairly quick because I know y'all have guests coming on, but when you first said, before y'all listed your, and I'm not, I am definitely not, wouldn't argue any point in here, when before you listed yours, I just jotted down, I had Georgia at one, okay. Tennessee at two, and then I had uh, Bama at three, LSU four, and Ole Miss at five. Uh, you know that's just guessing yeah. interesting but yeah that's fair. Well,
1: what's your what's your reasoning behind your your top five I, I'm curious
3: well well I think I think that Georgia has a little more depth you know right now than Tennessee does and, and you know what what is that two weeks we get to see that game is that right Tennessee and Georgia. say that again uh, it two weeks that we get to see Tennessee and yes Georgia
2: yes yep mm-hmm which is yeah. why, which is why this this week is a really interesting spot for Tennessee because they get Kentucky. It's kind of a uh, sneaky look look ahead spot for them.
3: Yeah, Kentucky's very good too, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, Stoops, he's done such a great great job there. You know, uh, you know, he, he hats off to him. But I was gonna ask you. Uh, uh, Start with the new athletic building, you know. Just okay. might as well say hundreds of million dollars open and all that. Wouldn't you want to do open that? You want a little bit of a splash. You want to have something that's really positive going. This isn't a, what I'm trying to say. This is not a normal hire. Yeah, from, you know, like most colleges go through. It's a lot more, a little more, and and due to the the fact of. Auburn's uh, you know record this year so far mm. and, and if if Brian harson wins out, you know keep him, yeah know absolutely the, you know if, it, if you can get him to recruit, and I think you could, but uh, we don't any of us think that's gonna happen <laughs> no
2: <laughs> yeah no it it's gonna be a new athletic director and a new head coach when Auburn moves into that building in january
3: <laughs> yeah and, and so. Not a prediction, and, and I'll just make—I'll just tell you mine. I'm not predicting, you know, who's going to be hired. I'm just saying, who would Ed like to see hired? Okay, and it would be hands down to me. It would be Dion Sanders. Okay, I, 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 I watched—I watched the. He is a man of uh, of uh, of faith of value, and, you know, he, he he believes in doing things the right thing. I don't know if I'm sure y'all watch this, but he would bring so much, and I just, and I think couldn't Auburn replace like, let's just and I love Sanford now, I've got a lot of friends that graduated from there in Birmingham, but couldn't they replace that with Tuskegee, or Alabama? if they said, hey, if you come here, uh, our, on our gimme game or whatever, we will schedule an HBCU. Wouldn't that be workable?
2: Well, I mean, Auburn's played Alabama A M and and Alabama State a few yeah. times here recently, correct?
3: Yes, they have. And, and, and I think you could add – You know what I'm saying. I I think I think if
1: Dion were to be here, he would definitely make that a priority uh, on Auburn's future scheduling is to get more HBCUs. That's something he is
2: obviously he's very big on. Ed, Ed, I I do have a question for you when talking about Dion. And this is just Um, from from the questions that have or the the concerns I have heard Auburn fans raise. I'm not arguing with you. I think he should absolutely be, be considered a candidate. But a lot of people, when when Dion gets brought up, the pushback is they want somebody who is about Auburn, and they or have concerns that Dion may be more about himself. What do you say to that?
3: Well, uh, I I think you can be about both. I I think you can. You know, he has. He definitely has. I don't think Dion's all about himself right now. I Mm -hmm. I don't think that's. I think he's more about. I'm I'm sure y'all watch the. Was it 60 Minutes or whatever, the interview? I you watched know, some of it. I,
2: I, I did, and I know he went on Good Morning America this week. I did not see that. And He's obviously going to be on game day, on the game day set this weekend, so I'll try to do, do my best to watch that.
3: Yeah, if, if, if you get a chance, you know, uh, uh, watch him because, you know, he believes in doing things. He's, I'm old school, you know. <clears throat> it, uh, I, nobody, nobody's going to wear earrings on the field, you know. Uh, we're gonna shirt tails, you know all this. He, he's not what people try to want, want to make him out to be. I don't think that's that's just my. And I think he would be. I think he would be a good coach. I think he would obviously attract some good interest from recruits, but I also think from, from assistant coaches who might see this as an opportunity. But, uh, you know, if not him, I, and, and uh, I, I'm going to hang up and listen to this, but I'm not talking about who y'all think uh, is going to be there, who you think is the favorite, but Jacob, if you and Carter could eat, just say who you think if you would like, mm-hmm. not, not who you think is going to be there, but who you would like and why. And I, I, I appreciate Yo, take it. Absolutely, call. yeah,
1: yeah. We appreciate you calling in, and we we always enjoy hearing from you, Ed. There's a couple of big points in there that uh, obviously we want to address. We'll get into some of the um, the SEC conversation in a little bit. We'll get back. We'll kind of circle back to that uh, mm-hmm. near the end of this hour. But um, talking about Dion, and, and again, we will we'll give some of our drop some names that we would like to see Auburn uh, consider hire, etc. Like Ed was talking about near the end of the call. The thing with Dion is sort of where you were going with that, Carter is. The, the pushback on Deion Sanders is he is a very outspoken, outgoing personality type of person, right? He is that person when Deion Sanders walks in the room. You absolutely know he's there, right?
2: Which I don't think is
1: a bad. Thing. It's not. I'm not saying that, but that is. There's a difference in a Deion Sanders and like a, a and a Brian Harson, right? I mean, Deion Sanders is that person again. When he shows up, you know he's there, and he's going to uh-huh. let you know he's there. But I'm not saying that in a bad way. He would bring that to Auburn, and I don't think he's fully about himself because some of the points Ed was make, were making uh, was was correct, talking about the things he does for HBCUs and for smaller schools like that. He goes out of his way to do things like that. He would bring that to Auburn, but the pushback would be, and like you said, would he be able to put Auburn first and be Auburn? I think he could, and that's also some of the pushback we hear from a guy like Lane Kiffin, who yep. it's all the Lane train over in Oxford, Mississippi. It is about Lane Kiffin. He is that type of person, and that's sort of the similar pushback we've heard about Lane Kiffin if he were to come to Auburn. But I think Dion is a is a great consideration. Um, I don't know if I'm fully sold on him being the head coach at Auburn because. I just think there's that is a big concern for me is just his personality if it would match with Auburn's history, Auburn's fans, Auburn's coaches, Auburn's atmosphere, right? I think that is an issue for me that I just don't know if they could get past. But recruiting, he would pull some guys. There's no doubt. We've we've had that conversation many uh-huh. a times. Uh, but, Ed, to kind of get to your last point there on your call, a couple of names that, that we would like to see either hired or at least in consideration for, uh, there's a lot, man. And this is something that I've thought about for a while. We've been thinking about for a while, and I thought this was a conversation we were already going to have because we thought Brian Harson wasn't going to be here anymore, but yet here he is, and it's the middle of the season. The r- r- reports are that he's going to be here through the end of the season, but yet it's week nine, and we're talking about who's going to replace him, right? And I think that that speaks to where we are as a program. But to kind of get some names who are – i guess to to address what ed was talking about a couple of names carter you would like to see hired or at least in consideration for the auburn head coaching job
2: well i think Dion, from a true talent perspective is the most intriguing option because i don't think you will see a roster turnover with the a with more talent more raw talent than what Dion has and i think he could put together a strong staff and make it work do i think the the Dion gets the job? No, I don't. I I think that he would be considered a candidate for sure. Um, I'm a little confused why Stoops at Kentucky has just not really been mentioned or at all. Well, you just kind of previewed who a name I was going to drop. Because he's really good at recruiting. He has the track record as a head coach. What he's done at Kentucky, second to Saban is probably the most impressive thing that anybody has done in the last decade in the SEC, in my mind. Because Kentucky's a hard place to win, and he's putting up nine, ten-win seasons on a consistent basis. And honestly, he keeps having a lot of crazy injuries. And he still finds ways to win. They're 5-2, and two and Will Levis has been hurt for half the year. They played, uh, what's his name? The, who, was, who was the quarterback, or the, the receiver that they put back yeah. there at, oh, at quarterback? Oh, yes, yeah. Um, and they literally yeah. just were like, we aren't going to throw, throw the ball. Ran L- triple Lynn, option. Lynn Bowden. Yep. Lynn Bowden. Lynn Bowden. Yep. Lynn Bowden. I, it's pronounced, maybe, I think it may be pronounced Bowden. But Lynn Bowden, he put him back there at quarterback and went to nine wins. It was crazy. I don't think I've seen anything like that. Yeah. And then when you, when you look around, that, that's a name that, that I think is very interesting. Here's another one for you, and it's one that maybe had this been a year ago, had we been in this position in a year ago, you would, you would have heard his name.
1: I know exactly where you're going with this. I don't think you do. Oh, I okay. don't think you do. Okay, I've got two names that people have not been talking about, including, I was going to say, Stoops from Kentucky was one that okay. I would love who's to your, be in who's consideration. Your one? I wanna, I wanna no, where were you going? I want to hear this. I want to see, because I think I
2: know. Dan Lenning at Oregon. Okay, I
1: wasn't I wasn't thinking
2: it. Georgia's that. defensive coordinator from last year is at Oregon, appears to be kind of upholding what Mario Cristobal had built as far as a foundation, but is a lot better in-game manager than Mario Cristobal ever was. Dan Lenny. Interesting. So you're going the
1: coordinator to head coach route rather than another head coach to a head coach, right?
2: Well, I mean, he, he is the head coach up there at Oregon right now. I would, I would like to see. Right. And I think that there is a part of him that wants to be an SEC head coach. And he's got SEC ties. The fascinating thing there is how much would Oregon melt down if Dan Lanning left for Auburn because that'd be three straight coaches that left their school for a P5 head coaching job down in the southeast. Yeah, you had Willie Taggart that left them from Oregon to go to FSU Ooh. that didn't go well, obviously. Did not go well. Mario Cristobal just left them and went to Miami. If Dan Lanning did it again, not going well. That program I it would be a disaster for them. They would freak out. I have no clue how they would react to that. But it
1: would show that when a bigger job comes up, you're going to leave Oregon. I mean, Oregon's a great job, but there are a lot bigger jobs in the country than Oregon as the head coach. There is are A couple of the names, um, uh, again, to address what Ed was talking about, a couple of names outside of, and and this is what I want to use this for, a couple of names outside of the normal three or four that we've been talking about, right? Hugh Freeze, Lane Kiffin, Dion. Deion. Jeff Grimes; those are the names that really keep floating around for this Auburn job. I think Matt Rule is still a mm-hmm. a big name that Auburn should consider because of what he's done in the college game.
2: I would my my only pushback there is, you've got to pay him a ton of money, right? Because he has a one to one cancel out yep. on his Panthers contract. You'd have to pay him a boatload. Yeah, you'd have to pay him a lot, and he,
1: that that is a major concern for sure.
2: He can go. He can go sit on the set of ESPN and enjoy a year, be a talking head, and then all of a sudden and he's an extremely personable guy. People would love him as as a as a college football. And he knows what he's talking about one year and then go to college and have his pick of wherever he wanted to go because then then kind of the, the 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 scar of Carolina, coaching the Panthers it kind of fades away, some right. No, I agree. I agree. And
1: uh, to kind of get a couple of more names, I think Stoops again at Kentucky. I'm glad you brought that up because that's a huge consideration. And that guy can coach football. I mean, he it's,
2: is, it's fascinating to me that he was. He was when I first started talking about potential next head coaches at Auburn with a buddy of mine. That was the first name that popped in my head. The mm-hmm. first one. Yep.
1: I think he's a, a huge name, a huge get if Auburn goes that route. I don't think they are, unfortunately, uh, but I think that would be a way. If this was last year, this is a name that I've been talking about for a couple of years. When Auburn was trying to hire this next head coach before they went with Brian Harson, the name that I wanted to see, and it did pop up, and I'm afraid that he may have told Auburn no, was Bill Clark. Bill Clark from
2: UAB. No, that he did not tell Auburn no. And that, no I, yeah. That's not how that went down. Yeah, well, I
1: think Bill Clark, but obviously he retired from football, from from would, coaching because would, of back injuries, back. I think.
2: He would come back for Auburn. I think he will come back to coaching. I, I hope that. he does. I think that's a fantastic
1: name. I think he's a great coach. He already has his Alabama roots put in the state. Obviously, he's been recruiting from UAB and was getting some serious talent. So he could come to Auburn and just continue to do what he was doing on a massive massive bigger scale right
2: i think he would be a good coach at auburn but i do also think that 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 story about last year him turning down auburn but a lot of those came out
1: in there and a lot of them are just rumor and again that's kind of why i said it's not a hundred percent fact but i would really like bill clark to be in consideration for that job because i think he has earned if he is to come back coaching again that's what i'm saying he's not in coaching right now But if he were to come back into coaching, I would love Auburn to go that way. And one more name that may not be a huge favorite, and I don't think he would leave his current place because they're not Power 5, but they're about to become Power 5. How about Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, man? I think he is a great coach. Look at what what he's done. That's
2: a great name, but but a lot of people consider him a Midwestern guy. And would he... Would he come down to the SEC or would he wait for one of those other jobs?
1: Right. And that's exactly what I was going to say after that was what would his SEC success
2: look like? Because he is a northern Midwest type of guy. He's kind of got it made right now. And since he's going to go to a power five conference, exactly, he's consistently really good. I guess if Jim Harbaugh left for the NFL, he could entertain Michigan, which I know would go against who he is as an Ohio State guy. Yeah. It'd be really fascinating. Yeah. But I mean, I get I guess if he wanted to get a big time Power 5 job, coming to Auburn would be the next option for him because I don't I don't see Ohio State opening anytime soon. No, Ryan Day's done a fantastic job against my
1: thoughts and my uh, prediction. I didn't think Ryan Day would succeed at Ohio State. I thought when he took over from Urban Meyer, I thought, okay, he's going to run out three, four years with the talent that Urban had, but it's going to be really tough for him to follow that. He's followed right along in the footsteps, man. It, uh, there was no transition period whatsoever for Ohio State. Ryan Day has done a fantastic job. But those would be the names outside of the normal three or four that have been discussed. But if you noticed, every single one of those names that I named and the ones that you named as well, they've all got but attached to them right well Luke Fickle but or well Matt Rule but right they've all got one or two things where you can make the argument against them but I think you could say that about every single coach consideration and every name that's in consideration for this Auburn job those are some of the names again outside of the norm that I would like to see Auburn go after don't think they will uh you can make arguments for who would be the best here but if you just want to throw out some names and start getting some things turning Ed, we appreciate you calling in those would be the names that I would throw out uh, just right now. And again, I've been thinking about this a lot, but we're still in the middle of the season with a head coach that's probably going to coach out the rest of the year. And that makes it really, really tough to have this conversation until that move is made. We got to get to our final break. We are running over and running out of time here in hour number one 334 321 1390. We'll wrap it up when we come back.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com, or on the ESPN 106.7 app.
1: Wrapping up hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you on ESPN 106.7. We went over in our last segment, so we've got about a minute or so before we get out of here for this first hour, but... Be sure you stay tuned. Hour number two will start at 3 o'clock right here on ESPN 1067, hour two of On the Line. So we uh, hope you stay along and. Uh Continue to join us as we talk about uh, SEC football. We'll continue to get into some of the SEC standings a little bit, uh, talk some more about Auburn, looking ahead to Arkansas this weekend. Later on in hour number two, uh, we're going to have uh, Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick. We'll have him at 3.30 like we do every single Tuesday afternoon. Uh, but some interesting conversations we've had here in hour number one. We'd love for you to call in and be a part of the show as well. 3 321 1390 is the number to put you through to us and uh we had some interesting talks about uh some names for auburn's head coaching job uh we were talking about the sec list uh the top five teams in the sec right now and again carter we we are on the way out here in this first hour but ed one of our callers he had georgia tennessee alabama lsu old miss i believe is
2: how he had his five stack i might go up. lsu kentucky interesting i think uh, I think, uh If we put Ole Miss and Kentucky on a neutral site, Kentucky wins that game. With a healthy Will Levis. Six or seven times out of ten. I I just think that they're a better team. I think their defense makes the difference in that game. I I probably believe in Ole Miss less than any person in the Southeast right now. Yeah. Yeah, And you've been on that for a couple weeks, too. I don't think they're very good. And I think this home stretch of their season is going to expose that
1: look we were looking for somebody to not have Tennessee it's the top team in the SEC our very first caller had it he has Georgia over Tennessee which not saying you're wrong I just think it's interesting and that's why I kind of asked him uh, his reasonings for it but what are your top five in the SEC we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more coming up in hour number two
0: The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 106.7.
1: You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Albert Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody, as it continues to get cloudy. Is it supposed to rain tonight? I hope I not. I don't know. I, I hope not. It's getting cloudy. Look, it was a beautiful weekend. It was beautiful yesterday. Now it's like partly cloudy. There is a chance of rain. Uh, looking at the radar a little bit, there is a chance of rain coming up in the next few hours. So maybe not. Oh, it's raining tonight. Oh yeah, it's raining tonight for sure. There's like a 95% (laughs) chance. Absolutely, it's raining tonight. So uh, look, hope you're all doing well. Stay safe, stay dry tonight if you're out and about doing whatever. But hour number one of On the Line officially in the books, you know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 1067. If you missed any of hour number one, be sure to go and find the podcast. You can search On the Line wherever you get your podcast or you can go to ESPNAU.com, click on the podcast, Center, and you can find it all right there. You can find it commercial free right after the show today. So be sure you go and do that again. ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. We talked a lot of SEC football in hour number one. Uh, We talked some Auburn Head coaching vacancies uh, and talking about some names for the Auburn Head uh, head coaching job in the first hour. So if you missed any of that, uh, it was really, really good, and we would appreciate you going and catching up. But here at hour number two, we're going to talk some Auburn football as they get ready for Arkansas coming up. Uh, we also are going to talk to Trey Wallace who covers the SEC for OutKick. We will talk to him at 3.30 in this hour, so coming up in about 30 minutes or so. We'll talk to him about the games from this past weekend, looking around the SEC and looking ahead into the games coming up this weekend in the Southeastern Conference. So It's going to be a great hour. We would love for you to call in and be a part of the show as well. 3 3 4 3 2 1-390. that is the number to put you through to us call in be a part of the show and be on the line we'd love to hear from you anything you want to talk about or get involved on the conversation we are having we'd love to hear from you but let's start this hour by going to the phone lines 334 321-1390 tie the tie you're on the line man welcome
4: in what's going on guys we're doing good man how are you i'm doing pretty good man pretty good uh i wanted to chime in on your top five yeah I would go. I would. I would just say. I'd say Tennessee, Georgia, one A, one B.
2: Okay, that's I, that's I that's really, pretty. I mean, that's pretty in in line with what we we've said so far.
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't think. I mean, it, it again. It's really if you like if you like defense or offense, who you choose for number <laughs> one on that. I mean, being honest. Yeah, that's fair. Um, uh, number three's got to go to Bama. Um, I mean, t- they have the best players. Uh, of everybody left the best schedule um the best record um four
1: this is where it gets interesting
4: four as of today October 25th hate hate to say this them Bengal Tigers man Mm -hmm. LSU you got to man they're playing the best right now they just I mean your other number four my number five would be Ole Miss okay well LSU just beat them um I mean, you can make a you can make a a, a a you can make an argument for Kentucky to be in there, but you know I know they lost one game because uh, Will didn't play, but if I'm not mistaken, he played last week um, and they looked okay. But I just don't think they have all the way around as much talent and as much explosive coordinator um, talent, I guess you would say. I just I don't like their scheme compared to LSU and Ole Miss.
1: Yeah, well, Carter would put Carter would put Kentucky over Ole Miss because he does not believe in the Rebels right now. And look, I don't either. I don't think Ole Miss is all that. Uh, and you know, when you talk about the top five, like you said, as of today on October 25th, it's almost like a power ranking, right? And talking about mm-hmm. right now, you can make the argument to put Kentucky at the five spot over Ole Miss. But I like your pick of LSU at four. You
2: got to put them there. I think. Ty, what what about the bottom six? What do you have there? Bottom six are well, honestly more interesting to me than, than top five.
4: Hey, well let me say this about the bottom six. <laughs> I did see a meme that was hilarious today. It had a picture of Jimbo like pulling his hair out and it said, You really just went from preseason number six to fighting to get into the Birmingham bubble <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and and um, you know what it the the sad part about that is it's true right I mean that is where A&M and Jimbo Fisher are right now they are they're in the giant they're in the same spot as Auburn right now
4: exactly exactly so what oh, does that I, tell you I would say obviously I think the bottom two are going to be Missouri and Vanderbilt um I, I think you just – I mean, it's really just who you're a fan of, the rest of them. I mean, our, to me, Arkansas – okay, let's say you put Kentucky 6. Um, it, I mean, Arkansas, to me, is the best – and this is just cliche as can be, but the best four-loss or three-loss team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just,
2: <laughs> right. I mean, just
4: because they're quarterback. I mean, that's the only thing that scares me this weekend is just that quarterback, man. That, he He's a baller. Uh, I thought they were going to be a little bit more talented around the edges, but you can see that Burke's the wide receiver meant a lot to them. Um, in my eyes, I think he was a, a lot of their 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 uh, play calling and, and 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 made them look a lot better last year. But I mean, Arkansas, South Carolina, Mississippi State—I mean, just—I mean, it's just really all of them grouped together right Um, Florida's in there too
1: and I mean you know when you look at the records of Florida who's four and three Mississippi State who's five and three Auburn A&M who are both three and four and Arkansas that's four and three I mean you could make a big jumble of all of those teams and just talk about where they are right now and you know what if we had 50 people make a list I guarantee half of them would have a I mean they would all just be completely different however many combinations you can make you can make so many different ones and you know what you can make an argument that they're. All right.
4: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, I, you know, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I think it's going to be some chaos this year at the end. I think you're going to have Bo Nick sitting there at Oregon with a one loss conference champ mm-hmm. or Agreed. a UC or UCS. Um, I, only, I think they only got one loss. Um, I think you're going to have a bunch of conference champs with one loss or undefeated. And then you're going to have three really good Alabama, uh, uh, Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee teams uh, sitting there in the middle. Um, I, I just—I'm be honest with you—it's going to be very interesting the end of the year. I really feel like guys that we could pull off a little four-game stretch here, um, and of course it'd be just like Auburn to pull it <laughs> off and 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 you know and, and almost beat Alabama and go into the to the to the off season of. Well, maybe he does deserve another third year and this, that, and the other. But right. hey, I'm gonna tell you what, guys. Look, I've been telling y'all this all season. We're gonna get, we're gonna get Hugh Freeze. Okay, that's not who my pick is. I'm just telling you, that's who we're gonna get. Did you see what his team did to BYU this week?
1: Yes, I did. And yeah. you know, you know who they have on the schedule in a couple weeks. They've got a shot at Arkansas in a few weeks.
4: I'm telling you guys that. That coach is doing something down there, Libby. A lot of people don't like him because of what happened, um, but I've not heard yet a case against the man because of coaching. Well, we we haven't is, heard. Yeah, we haven't, haven't made heard that heard argument. Nobody say anything bad. That okay? Well, he can't do this. He can't do that. He can't do this. All I've heard is hookers and cell phones.
3: Yeah,
2: and and look, it, and that's right where what me and Carter have talked about. We have never Ty, made the argument that he can't coach. Ty, I don't think it's going to come down to coaching. I think it's going to come down to does he get signed off because he does have baggage. He has baggage, to be honest. I mean, at about a different level than just about any other candidate you can name, besides maybe what Urban Meyer. And even then, I think I think Hugh Freeze has more more baggage than he does.
4: I understand, but you know. It, I just, I just feel like you, I, this, these are my reasons he's going to be Hugh free. He's going to come cheap, okay? He's going to come with some energy and some fire to get in there and prove himself and prove he's still got it. The baggage you talk about you've got to remember guys, now I'm not talking about the hookers and the cell phones, but the, but the, you know uh, the baggage, the other baggage you talk about, all that's legal now. You're right? All, all that's ready to go. Right. All that's fine, so you don't have to worry about that baggage. So that I mean, again, you know, and, and, and his infidelities and all that. I mean, that's 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 you know something between him and his wife. And and people make mistakes. We've seen people come back from worse than that.
2: You you so. you can't embarrass Auburn. Uh, you can't. Auburn is not going to sign off on somebody that theoretically could embarrass Auburn. Especially if they know about the baggage.
4: Well, again, the baggage, uh, the bag. I think it's happened so long ago. I think you've got enough time where we'll, it, it'll be okay. I mean, you know, look at look at Star- Scar when, when I mean his drinking on the job and stuff like that. I mean, there's been a lot to me, a lot worse. Guys have come back from a lot worse, in my opinion. Yeah. But, and- i'm sorry go ahead
1: yeah i I was gonna say i think with hugh freeze if it's not auburn i do think somebody will end up giving him another chance um to be a power five head football coach because of what he's doing at liberty because of what he does bring to the table i just don't know if and look they very well might auburn may pull the trigger on him and may decide we'll give this guy another chance but if auburn doesn't do it I think somebody else will because of all of the things you talked about, and because, like you said, nobody's making the argument against Hugh Freeze for coaching or recruiting or anything like that. And we've said that as well. We both think he could do those things here. It's just who is willing to take that chance on somebody that has a past, and you're gambling on whether they repeat that history.
4: Well, we did it in basketball. Turned out pretty good.
1: You're right. You're right, and that's a comparison that's been made a, a couple and of times.
4: And we took it out. We took and we took that baggage on before the NIL happened, but before it was all legal, um, and then got in more trouble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, trouble ain't something we're we're actually scared of, in my opinion. But anyway, hey man, what am eagle? It's going to be a good weekend of football, guys. Yeah, well,
1: hey, we appreciate the call, man. It's always good to hear from Ty the Tiger here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Uh, covered a lot of ground in that phone call, so, mm-hmm. so we'll try to address it as much as yeah. possible. 334-321-1390. We'd love to hear from you as well if you have anything to say about that. trying to remember where he started with that phone call. I started with his top five. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. But uh, uh, we'll kind of work our way backwards a little bit here. So with Hugh Freeze, right, with the Hugh Freeze conversation, again, you and I have had this conversation. Right? He is a great coach. His on-the-field results speak for it for itself. I just don't know if Auburn, if Auburn specifically, will take the risk on Hugh Freeze. Exactly. Somebody will. Somebody. I'm, I'm telling you, somebody will it do may not, it. It may not be anybody in the SEC. It may not be. But a Power 5 program will take the chance on Hugh Freeze and give him his second opportunity. Hugh I'm Freeze's telling you agent, it'll happen.
2: Hugh Freeze's agent is going to find a place for him. I promise you that. I just don't know if it'll be Auburn. And look, you can, you can say, well,
1: that's bogus, or you can say, well, why not? I just don't think they will. With what Auburn is going through right now, with what Auburn is having to do and come out of, There's just, I think there's better ways to go. There's better routes to go where that's one less thing you have to deal with if you hire somebody other than Hugh Freeze. Now, if he didn't have any of that, right, and if he was an up-and-coming or if he just got fired from Ole Miss because he just couldn't win football games at the time or whatever, and then he comes back and he's doing what he's doing at Liberty and he's an up-and-comer again, sure, absolutely. I think Auburn would take that chance, but I just don't know if they'll do it right now um looking at some of the other things mr ty the tiger talked to us about the sec uh talking about top five bottom six uh his top five he had uh georgia tennessee basically neck and neck he said uh with tennessee you get the offense and georgia you get the defense uh we get that game coming up next week and like you talked about tennessee and kentucky play this weekend which i think could be a sneaky trap game for tennessee if they're not ready um But Kentucky's right there, too, man. And if Will Levis is healthy and had played this entire season, I mean, they don't lose to South Carolina if Will Levis plays, right? And I think that Kentucky's still a sneaky good team. uh, But looking at the bottom six, that conversation you had kind of brought up on top of it, which really, really makes it interesting, the bottom six of the SEC, I mean, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Auburn, Mississippi State, Florida, Kentucky, South Carolina, I mean, those are all teams that you could throw in there. Missouri and Vanderbilt are at the bottom for sure. Everybody else is fair game, and you can make an argument for any combination of those teams in the bottom six.
2: Uh, I mean, if you want to talk bottom six, I think you go Vanderbilt, you go Missouri. Uh, okay, 14, I was 13.
1: thinking I was thinking outside of 14 and 13, other than that. I, so I Vanderbilt, guess Vanderbilt,
2: Missouri, and then that next spot becomes interesting because I think it's Auburn. There's an argument to be made that it's Texas A&M. You can probably make an argument that it's Arkansas. If it were me, I would have Auburn at 12, Texas A&M at 13, and Arkansas at er, Texas A&M at 11, Arkansas at 10. That's how I view that, and then Florida above that. That's how I would see the bottom six right now. The only reason that you would
1: put Texas A&M above Auburn right now if you were to power rank the SEC as it stands right now and I think this is an important time to do it I know we sort of talk about SEC standings every week because they are constantly changing with since we're in the middle of conference play but we're kind of in the middle of the season nearing the back half of it and teams are coming in and out of bye weeks and this is an important time to talk about this the only reason you put Texas A&M above Auburn or you could put Texas A&M above Auburn is because they played Alabama so close. And they had a chance to beat Alabama, and you can make the argument that they should have beaten Alabama, right? If Jimbo makes literally any other play call than that on the last play of the game, they're going to score and they're going to win that football game. So that's the only reason for me because a top 15 win at the time against Miami, worthless. A top 10 win against Arkansas at the time, worthless. I mean, those are nothing at this point. Miami, garbage. Arkansas, not good. So those wins don't mean anything to me. The only reason you could put A&M above Auburn right now in an SEC power ranking is because they played Alabama so close. And I'm going to agree with you, partner. I've got Vanderbilt at the bottom, Missouri at 13, Auburn at 12, A&M at 11. This is where it starts to get a little shaky, a little weird, I'm going to
2: put Florida right there. I think that's that's totally fair. I think those two are, are interchangeable. Mm-hmm. And this weekend has a chance to say a lot about those two teams. Yep. Does Arkansas come into Auburn and get a win? Does Florida put up a capable fight against Georgia?
1: I think they can. But we're going to find out. And in the middle, uh, you've obviously got State. Uh, you've got... Kentucky, South Carolina, Ole Miss, uh, it's, it just gets interesting. But the middle to bottom half of the SEC – is a very, very interesting conversation because, and before we get to break, because it includes teams like Arkansas, who had a high expectations coming into this year. It includes Texas A&M, who had really high expectations coming into this year. It includes Mississippi State, who started out good, and they're now 5-3 and three overall, 2-3 and three in conference play. It includes Florida, under first-year Billy Napier, who we just didn't know what we were getting into with that. That's what makes this so, and it includes Auburn, obviously, where... Expectations weren't necessarily high, but Auburn fans wanted to see something different, and it just hasn't happened. That's what makes these conversations so interesting. we got to get to our first break here in this second hour of On the Line, 334-321-1390. We've had some great callers today. We'd love for you to be one of them as well. We'll be right back. We will talk more about the SEC and Auburn when we come back.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: Back here on the Tuesday edition of On The Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Alberto Opelika Sports Leader. We've been discussing a lot. The question of the day is the top five. Who is the top five in the SEC right now? Um, we've discussed this a lot today. We'd love to hear from you. 334 321 1390. But I do want to get into a comment and a quote that Brian Harson had yesterday in his press conference. If you'd like to call in with your top five in the current SEC power rankings, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, but a quote that Harson had when asked about the quarterbacks and the quarterback situation coming into, I guess, coming out of the box week going into the Arkansas game quote the quarterbacks are still not where we need to be right that's the quote that Brian Harson has still not where we need to be he's not wrong you don't say right I mean you don't say right talking about the quarterback situation with Auburn and look trying to get everybody thinking about Auburn football a little bit after having a week off of of not watching it not thinking about it throughout the weekend not watching it and, and uh just However you feel about it, we're trying to get you thinking some more about it coming into uh, the Arkansas game. Be sure you stay tuned, though. Coming up in about six minutes, we're going to talk to Trey Wallace. He covers the SEC for OutKick, so we enjoy uh, we enjoy having him on every week. He does a really, really good job, and uh, we're looking forward to that, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But still not where we need to be as of the quarterback situation for Auburn right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you don't say, in my opinion, because, look, it's been, it's been an up and down year already in the quarterback room, right? Coming into the year, it was Zach Calzada, right? We thought Zach Calzada throughout the summer, he's the man. And again, I will be the first one to admit that I was absolutely wrong because all summer long I sat over, I sat in this studio and I said, Zach Calzada will be your starting quarterback. Well, scratch that. That's not the case. He ended up being the third string and now he's injured and not playing. Then there was a quarterback battle between T.J. Finley and Robbie Ashford. T.J. Finley wins, and that doesn't really go where you want it to go. Robbie Ashford then comes in. Still not where you need to be, but I think we are slightly seeing improvements and seeing where the potential for Robbie Ashford to be good if he's got the support around him. Would you agree with that?
2: I think that there are certainly flashes from Robbie Ashford that are promising. And and it goes back to in fall camp when we talked about Robbie Ashford, we said his ceiling is probably higher than the rest of the guys in that room, but the floor is absolutely lower. And you've seen exactly that this year. You've seen moments, I go back to LSU when I think of when I think of a couple He had a couple NFL throws in that game on a slant, on a post, fitting the ball in tight windows. And when he's confident about it, when he's got a rhythm going, when he has protection, there are really, really high highs. The problem is the protection is not there with the offensive line. That's not great. It's hard to develop a quarterback when there's a lack of protection. Then you have – The fact that um, you have the fact that he's putting the ball on the ground so much. And he is an emotional guy. When things go wrong, they tend to speed up on him because he is upset. And he is upset himself. We've seen several outbursts. That's the biggest notice
1: for me is just how his his youth has shown, right? I mean, his youth has shown throughout this season because you know how good he can be. And you know what? He knows how good he can be. And he knows he's not living up to what he needs to be for Auburn to be successful. And then you see him have these, I don't want to say fits, but it's kind of what it is when he's on the sideline. And look, we've heard all fall long in all season, he is the hardest critic of himself. Robbie Ashford will critique himself harder than anybody else. And that's when you see him go over and be frustrated on the sidelines. That's one of the biggest things I've noticed. It's just his youth is shown in SEC play.
2: Yeah, it absolutely has. And it's this is going to come with experience. When you put somebody out there who had not taken a snap, when, you, when he has to go on the road to Georgia, these are really, really tough places. To put a young guy out there ideally if you knew you were going to turn the the offense over to him which clearly this staff did not know that they wanted TJ Finley to be the guy and then he was too careless with the football he has much more experience than than um, than Robbie Ashford does you would have liked to have gotten him in a rhythm gotten him reps in those first two games before you put him out there because it's a lot different when your first snaps are against Power 5 teams. And that's that's a different beast. It's a different monster. It's really difficult. And you would like to have seen maybe ease him into that role a little more than, than he was. He, at times, will make the wrong decision. He's thrown some bad interceptions, some really bad interceptions this year. I would like to have seen... Knowing what we know now, I would like to for him to have been the starter in week one and him get every single rep because I think he'd be better. But it's going to be – I think he'll, he will be on the roster next year, and I think that he will be probably the best that we know of that will be on the, the roster next year. And I think it's on this next coach. I think that this is another key point. Your scheme needs to match your players and their skill sets and their talent level and build it around your players. At times, I don't feel like that happens with Robbie Ashford. I feel like he is, he is a square peg trying to fit in a round hole that is this offensive scheme by Eric Keysaw and Brian Harson.
1: That's a really good way to put it. It seems like this staff has one offensive game plan and they're just kind of plugging and chugging with quarterbacks and hoping that it's working. And you know what? They're not where they need to be we got 30 minutes left on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for Outkick, will be joining us when we come back.
0: You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: Wrapping up the last 30 minutes of the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you on ESPN 106.7. Welcoming in our Tuesday guest, our Tuesday weekly guest of Trey Wallace. He covers the SEC for Outkick. We enjoy having him on every single week. Trey, happy Tuesday, man. How was your weekend?
5: It was, man, it was good. Hope y'all are well. Uh, a little, I don't know. I mean, there were the games were... Kinda rubbish. Besides, I guess the night game was good uh, with with Carolina and Texas A M. And I say good, you know, (laughs) whatever. Don't don't take my word, kind of like like good football. But the ending was at least dramatic. Um, So it was it was a decent week. It's crazy that the best game, like score wise, came out of Columbia, Missouri, between Vanderbilt and the (laughs) Titans.
1: What, you didn't predict that coming into the weekend, Trey? You didn't predict that Vanderbilt-Missouri would be the game of the week?
5: I picked Vanderbilt to actually cover and win, so <laughs> they they almost got me to it, man. They, yeah, it they was, did. It was close.
1: <laughs> they almost got you. Well, man, as we look around some of those scores from the Southeastern Conference this past weekend, uh, Alabama, they defeat Mississippi State 30-6 to in what was a... Weird game for Alabama. You had LSU upset Ole Miss 45-20. Of course, you talked about Missouri and Vanderbilt 17-14 for the Tigers. And South Carolina uh, really putting some pressure on Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. They win 30-24. to Just kind of run through some of those games and what you saw on Saturday. I
5: mean, goodness gracious, LSU. I mean, man, five touchdowns for J.D. Daniels. The way that he played was composed in the pocket. Um, I, I thought they exposed. Ole Miss's defense, which was, by the way, a little shorthanded in the second half. Um, And I I just think overall, looking at it, you know, LSU, it's crazy. You know, LSU gets the brakes beaten off of them by Tennessee. They go on the road to Gainesville, grab a win, come home, beat Ole Miss. And it's like, wow, okay, maybe this team – just had a blip against Tennessee. And maybe Tennessee's just really good. You know, that that's the other thing. But then the fact that they do that to Ole Miss, like, yeah, I, I guess good for the Tigers um, because you I really wanted to see Jaden Daniels succeed. I think he's a really good kid. Um, got a lot of hatred, I think, a little bit uh, in the first three or four games of the season. But the so LSU responds. Alabama does what I thought they were going to do. I, I honestly think Mississippi State and, and by the way, I love Will Rogers. I love what he does for the community. I love what he does for the charities and the Make-A-Wish Foundation. But for the second week in a row, Mississippi State got got caught.
3: Mm-hmm. And,
5: and people have started to figure out Mississippi State. Um, and Alabama was Alabama. You know, as much as we want to talk about the game, I think we know what the main storyline coming out of that one was. Um, and then, you know, wrapping it up in Columbia. The Gamecocks, man, four wins in a row. Uh, they come out 17 nothing in the first quarter. You know, it's not like Spencer Rattler had some killer of a game. Uh, but the defense played well. And, again, Jimbo Fisher just, my goodness, comes up short. The team looks bad. You know, they're playing a rough South Carolina defense. Your quarterback situation's up in the air. I mean, it just – they're just – that's just a bad football team, and I'm trying to give a right word for it, but bad is all I can come up with right now because their offense is just, just decapitated with how their play calling goes.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, Jimbo
5: Fisher, I think, is just overcomplicating things, and it is not good at College Station right now. I know everybody has seen Twitter reports that three players have been suspended. Um, you, had, you lost two offensive linemen that was announced yesterday. It's just a bad time right now in College Station, and to be honest with you, I don't know how they turn it around with that schedule. Looking at them in front of them,
2: yeah, absolutely, and and I kind of want to keep talking about that because they do welcome Ole Miss this week, an Ole Miss team that is coming off a pretty tough loss. But a And sitting there three and four, you just suspended players that play a pretty significant role on this team. Is there any chance that AM does turn it around? And if this thing really craters, because there are four games to me that I think are still losable on this schedule for AM, what happens in College Station?
5: <laughs> I mean, it is. Um, they can't. I don't, look, I, I think the firing thing is out the window. It's too much money, even though, by the way, even though Texas a boosters can afford that buyout if they really, really, really wanted to. Um, but I think what you're going to see is the transfer portal window is going to be popping with Texas A&M players. Um, I would imagine you're going to see upwards to 10 to 12 Texas A&M players that are going to enter the portal. Wow. Um, and, that, and that's and that's overall. You know, that's, that's overall. Um, not just the you know, not just the the fall transfer portal window. You've got a lot of true freshmen that came in to Aggieland that are kind of upset right now, either with playing time or how things are being run, but they're just not mature enough to understand things. You've got leaders on that team. Let me rephrase that. You've got people that should be leaders on that football team uh, that have have kind of fallen to the back, you know, not not voicing their concerns. Um, It it's just an overall in-depth situation that Jimbo Fisher is going to have to make changes in the off season. And if that means giving up the play calling duties and give it up, man, uh, this is your fifth season, fifth season guys. Look how, look how quick coaches are getting fired nowadays after two to three years. And you're telling me Jimbo Fisher in his fifth year is sitting with that many losses. The team looks in disarray. You're having to suspend players. A couple of those players most likely will not be back. You're going to have a transfer portal, you know, that's full of true freshmen and sophomores after the season's over. I just don't feel like they can turn it around with Jimbo Fisher. That's just my opinion as of right now, because what is turning it around? Like, let's be honest. Turning it around in Texas A&M territory and those boosters is making it to the playoffs. And competing mm-hmm. for a national championship. And that ain't happening. I don't see, right. I don't see them competing for either one of those in the next few years. I could be wrong, but I just don't right now.
2: No, I don't I don't think you're wrong, man. <laughs> Trey, Trey, my least favorite narrative, and I hear national people talk about it all the time, they cite his recruiting class that he just signed as a reason to give him time. And it's almost like they're treating it like he's a year one coach. This is your five. Like, these are all of his guys. Like, I don't know what's going to change between now and two, three years down the road. I'm with you
5: 100%. I don't know. And that's and that's the thing. Like, how do you even, – okay, even with the recruiting class they just brought in, like you were talking about, and even the recruiting class before that, okay, we are – if you're a freshman and you early enrolled – at a school, so January, if you're if – let's just say you're seven games into the season, you're you're a sophomore by now. You should be mature enough. Like, I, I know there's still 18-, 19-year-old kids, but you've been in the program long enough, been around these circumstances long enough to understand what is expected out of Jimbo Fisher. And, and, and in Jimbo's case, I don't think he has the right read on his roster and his team. I think that he is looking at this from a completely different angle, which he shouldn't be. And I think that the offensive scheme has hurt him. I think that the guys that, you know, like he couldn't make excuses about Haynes King being the starter. I love how Jimbo said, I don't know how many weeks it was ago, but that he said against Alabama, he was like, oh, we're playing our backup quarterback. Uh, no, Jimbo. Haynes King was your starting quarterback. So, let's not act like, you know, you lost in Tuscaloosa because you had a backup quarterback in the game. He was your starter. This is the decision that you made. So, I I don't know where it goes. I think you're going to see turnover. I think you're going to see a couple coaches fired. Um, and, and I don't think that's going to be Jimbo right now. But I tell you, just like Brian Harson entered this season on the hot seat, Jimbo Fisher will enter 2023 on the hot seat in the Southeastern Conference.
1: He covers the SEC for OutKick. We've got Trey Wallace joining us here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Trey, our question of the day today, before we get into some of the games coming up this weekend around the Southeastern Conference, our question of the day today is, as of right now, as we enter week nine of the college football season, as a power ranking, the top five teams in the SEC right now, in your opinion, who are they?
5: Oh, goodness. Um, I'm going to go Georgia. I'm going to go Tennessee, then I'm going to go Alabama. I'm going to go Kentucky, then I'm going to go LSU. Okay, I think that's my five. I think
2: that's my five right now. Kentucky at the um, four and, and LSU at the five. I, I'm that's interesting. So so trade. Yeah, I, that that kind of brings in a point that I was thinking about earlier. Are we starting to think that that LSU exposed Ole Miss for what they are? Because when you look at the resume Ole Miss has put together, they have six wins against bad teams, and then a game that Kentucky gave away on the road.
5: Yeah, I mean, let's not forget Will Levis fumbled the ball. Let's not forget how the last, I don't know, what was that, 30 seconds ended up where if Kentucky lets one guy get set on offense, it's a touchdown, and that game's probably a wrap. Um, We can't forget these sort of things. Just like we can't forget, you know, Arkansas fumbling the game away against Texas A&M. You know, so it's it's the small things. And, and, look, I think Lane Kiffin has got one hell of an offense. Um, I think he's a great mind, but the problem still lies in defensive depth. And when they lost a few on Saturday, they couldn't respond, and LSU ran it on their throat. So, you know, as we sit here right now, you know, on a Tuesday, coming up on week nine of the season, week eight, however which way you want to look at it, I think LSU is in that five spot right now. And you have to give them that because, you know, they, they beat Ole Miss. But, you know, uh, Kentucky is a team that we'll see this weekend. You know, does Tennessee come out and, you know, hang 30, 35 on Kentucky? I, I think this game is going to be closer than a lot of people think. Uh, Tennessee fans should not be entering this game thinking, oh, well, you know, we're going to put up 40 points against Kentucky and we're just going to be, no. Kentucky's a blue-collar team. They got Will Levis. They got Chris Rodriguez. They're going to try to take up a lot of time off the clock. I think this game is a little closer than people might think. And, uh, you know, so we'll see. That power ranking is going to switch around. And to be honest with you guys, if I was on the college football playoff uh, committee, I would probably rank Tennessee one, Georgia two, Ohio State three. That's kind of how I am right now
1: yeah it's interesting and that's what's so fun about power rankings is they change within every week and it's about who is playing the best right now and i think in the sec that changes every single week we're talking to trey wallace who covers the sec for outkick here on the tuesday edition of on the line you starting alluded to it a little bit let's get into some of the games coming up around the sec this weekend of course auburn is now out of the bye week they have arkansas coming in at 11 a.m on saturday you have florida and georgia playing in jacksonville kentucky Tennessee, the game you started talking about a little bit in Ole Miss and Texas AM. What are you thinking about some of these games, especially Auburn and Arkansas on Saturday?
5: Yeah, that would stand out to me, man. Um, Arkansas, you know, we saw what they did against BYU. How do they respond this weekend going to Auburn? My biggest thing is, is I'll dial it in to the Auburn players right now. You know, I'm, I'm very curious. Like, they showed me some fight at Ole Miss, and we talked about that last week. Um, I think that you're going to see a, an Auburn team that you know hasn't given up, and I think that's the biggest thing that stands out to me. With everything going wrong, you still see fighting this team. I look forward to that game um, mainly because I want to see how KJ Jefferson plays, but also let's see how Auburn does right out of the gate. 11 a.m. local time kickoff. Um, you know, considering a lot of this revolves around the status of Brian Harson, um, I think. To be honest, guys, I, I mean, I care about the Florida Georgia game, but then I look at Georgia's offense and their rushing attack, and I look at Florida's defense, and I just feel like that's going to be a lot of trouble for the Gators mm-hmm. to try to handle. I think and Bennett is really good. Um, so, you know, 20, 23 points. You know, somebody, uh, I think somebody at work asked me, well, Trey, what game do you want to cover this weekend? You want to go cover Georgia, Florida, or Tennessee, Kentucky? And I was like, well, what are you on? What kind of question is that? Like, like I, I don't know how much Florida is, is going to hang with Georgia, but throw all the record books out. This is a robbery game. They hate each other. Let's have fun with it uh, Saturday afternoon. I think Kentucky, Tennessee, already talked about. I think that this is a game that's going to come down to both quarterbacks. Hendon Hooker, Will Levis, who has the most success on offense, especially running the ball, getting outside the pocket, um, and Tennessee is going to try to hit them quick down the field. We'll see if Kentucky can prevent that. Uh, and then you got Ole Miss going to Texas AM. And, you know, just when I thought, you know, Ole Miss would be a wounded duck, you know, heading to College Station, you know, you got stuff coming out of Aggie Land where you got players suspended and whatnot. It's just them coming off that loss. Like, it, like, I look at the loss to South Carolina a hell of a lot worse than I look at Ole Miss's loss to LSU. So I'm interested to see how both of these teams respond this weekend. So we've got a good slate of games, man. We we really do. I know it looks a little off balance, but we'll start with Arkansas Auburn, good little Florida, Georgia, and then the Nightcap. I think one of those two games is gonna end up being really good and uh and fans can have a good time.
1: Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for Outkick, he joins us every Tuesday here on On the Line. Man, we do we really, really appreciate you taking the time every single week, joining us and talking a little SEC football. Man, let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you got going on.
5: Absolutely, guys. Always appreciate coming on uh, down there, and I, and uh, you can follow me at Trey Wallace underscore on Twitter. Follow all my work at OutKick.com. I appreciate you guys having me. Enjoy the rest of the week. Uh, good luck this weekend against the Razorbacks, and uh, stop looking up burner accounts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is Trey Wallace, man. Hey, no promises, man. No promises. That's Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick. We will talk to him next week on Tuesday. we got to get to our final break in this Tuesday edition of On the Line. We will be right back and wrap it up here on ESPN 106.7.
0: Are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app.
1: Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you on ESPN 106.7. Show has flown by today, man. It has gone really, really quick.
2: I don't know about you, but it has really flown by today. Well, I mean... Once things started popping off on Twitter, we get we started yeah. having a lot of fun. Yeah, we started having a, yeah, <laughs> a lot
1: of fun over here on ESPN 106.7. Look, if you guys missed any of today's show, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search On The Line, wherever you get your podcast, or uh, go to ESPNAU.com, click on the Podcast Center, and you can find it all right there. Uh, we're going to go and upload it as soon as the show is over. You can find it commercial-free uh, in the first hour, Lots of SEC and Auburn talk. uh, Lots of good callers in the first hour. We also, uh, in the second hour, we just got off the phone with Trey Wallace. He covers the SEC for Outkick. He writes fantastic stuff. Uh, he comes on every single week with us and gives us about 20 minutes of his time talking about the SEC, so we really do appreciate him coming on. And um, and so if you missed any of that conversation, any of our conversation today here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, be sure to go and find the podcast at ESPNAU.com. You can also enter the SEC football challenge that we've got going on. Uh, our winner came by today. And picked up his prizes so you can get your picks in for this week. Again, it closes Friday at midnight. Uh, we, uh, sometime this week, we will update you on our live events coming up throughout the week and weekend here on ESPN 1067, Auburn up like a sports leader. But as we wrap up this Tuesday edition of On the Line, I think, I mean, the main focus of our conversation today has been an SEC Power Rankings. And like we sort of were talking about with Trey Wallace, is. Power rankings, obviously, is based off of right now and how you're playing right now, how you look right now. And what's so crazy and fun about the SEC is that changes every single week.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very volatile conference. Things are, things are moving around a lot, and they're moving fast. And week to week, we get results that we didn't expect, like a and going on the road to South Carolina and, and dropping an easy one there or what we thought was an easy one, and looking really bad in the process. Or an Ole Miss team that some people were hyping up to be a college football playoff contender getting crushed by LSU. Things, hey, it's an ever-changing world here in the SEC, and it's it's really fun to uh, kind of cover it, to talk about it, that... It's a, really, it's a really good time right now in the, in the conference.
1: And to feed off of that and kind of uh, tease what we'll be talking about tomorrow, how about Auburn and the conversation of if Auburn wins out or if Auburn wins four of their next five, if they win the next four games in a row, what do they do with Brian Harson? That is an interesting conversation that has started to float around. Is well, it you possible? And I, sure. You and
2: I both know what's going to happen. It may not be – he, he could win out, and it's still up in the air. So if he wins, he's not beating Alabama. If he wins four of the next five, then... But what if he does? <laughs> I mean... But that's what makes the SEC so fun. And look, looking
1: at the results around the conference, it's possible. It's possible for Auburn to win their next four games, going into
2: the Iron Bowl as a seven-win team. It's absolutely possible. It absolutely is with the way that A&M's free-falling. You're only Arkansas. a three-and-a-half-point dog against Arkansas right now. You get Western Kentucky on there. Uh, Mississippi State's kind of going through it a bit. It's possible. I don't think
1: it's likely, but it's possible. We're going to talk about that more tomorrow. Come back and join us 2-4 to right here on ESPN 106.7. Have a good one. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.